Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel, and Becca and I just have the absolute honor of serving you guys here at Life West. And Becca already kind of let the cat out of the bag, if you didn't know. But we have just a great honor this morning of, of my dad, Pastor Dwayne, sharing with us this morning. So you do me a huge favor. Would you just stand up, give him a Life West welcome. Come on up. I'm so glad you're here. Hey. Praise the Lord. Hey, thank you. And uh, you may be seated. In fact, I'm going to be seated too, I think. Yeah, there it is. You know, the Bible says in uh, Luke that Jesus stood up to read and he sat down to speak. So I'm sitting down too. <laughs> All right. Hey, great to see everybody. And uh, we are so excited about what God's doing here. Uh, we have not been in this building, and they told us we're in a little Spanish church. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking something built in 1948. And when we get here, this is awesome. Awesome. We need more room. But uh, boy, this is great. So I get to share the word with you. So uh, we're going to jump right in this morning. And uh, Samuel and Becca, you guys, we're so proud of you. This is absolutely God is using you. This is great. Um, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm mostly going to tell stories. Okay. Uh, when you're older, you've got a lot of stories. <laughs> One of the great things about getting old. Right? So I've simply entitled this Things of the Spirit so that I can talk about anything. <laughs> right? But I want to start in Joshua chapter 1 in verse 8. And I really want to talk about being led by the Spirit. I think every Christian wants to be right in the middle of the will of God. And if they don't, they should. So I want to talk to you about being in the will of God and how the Spirit of God gets us there. Right? But Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, because then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. The number one way that God, we get in the will of God and stay in the will of God. This is true about every Christian. The number one way is through His Word. God simply tells us in the Word what He wants us to know. In, uh, as Peter is, is writing in 2 Peter, he says, We were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're up on the mountain. Moses and Elijah show up. They're talking with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, his, his garments just begin to radiate light. A cloud comes over, and God speaks out of the cloud and says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Right? And it's in the 19th verse. King James Bible says it this way. He says, But we have a more sure word. We have a more sure word. So literally, they hear a voice from heaven. They have a vision of Moses and Elijah. They see Jesus radiating, and they say, there's something more sure than a voice, than a vision, than something that you see. Well, what's more sure? The Word of God. The Word of God is more sure. So if you have a vision that goes one direction, and the Word of God goes a different direction, you throw out the vision, you keep the Word. See, the Spirit of God, who is the author of the Bible, will never contradict himself in a vision, with a voice, in any way, in any way. In fact, uh, a, a while back, there was a, a woman in our church, and uh, 
she introduced a man to me and, and said, uh, this is my significant other. Well, I'm kind of old. I'm not really sure what that means, you know. So the next time I see her, I, I said to you, are, are you sleeping with him? And she says, oh, yeah. She says, but I've got peace. And uh, so, so Jeannie and I arranged to uh, meet her. And uh, I says, uh, you, you know what the Bible says about this. First Thessalonians says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you learn how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. And then it goes on and it says, listen, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives us his Holy Spirit. And I said, well, the Bible says don't live a sexual immoral life, which you're doing. She says, well, I'll pray about that. Now listen, you do not pray about the Bible. You obey the Bible. You do not need to pray and say, God, is it okay if I rob Myers on the way home? <laughs> the Bible says don't steal, right? So you don't need to pray about that. Right? If it's in the Bible, you don't need to pray about it. You just need to do it. Right? So the number one way God's going to lead us is with his word. And honestly, there's sometimes when people say, well, I don't seem like, it seems to me like God's not leading me and guiding me. Usually the problem is we're not obeying what we know to do to start with. And we're looking for additional guidance when we're not doing what we should be doing, what we know we should do because of the Word. But as, as uh, Jeannie and I look back over 45 years of ministry, uh, the, the, the second way, and put it this way, Every major move that we've ever made, because how many of you know the Bible doesn't say where to live, it doesn't say what to study, it doesn't say what house to buy, right? Every major move that we have made has come through desire. Um, the Old Testament says it like this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the... And most people think of a new car, a new house, a new dress, a vacation, but that's not what it's talking about, right? It's talking about God putting a desire down on the inside of you. In Acts 7, in verse 23, it says, When Moses was 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. So he'd been living in Pharaoh's house for nearly 40 years. Never really had a desire to go and visit the children of Israel. But when he's 40, it came into his heart. Who put it there? God put it there. Right? In Philippians 2.13, it says, For God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. So God puts desires on the inside of you. Uh, Jeannie and I graduated from Bible college, and we, we were married after our first year, and, and then... Uh, we celebrated our, our first anniversary in Mexico. We were missionaries. Uh, we were in Mexico about six weeks. We started our first church. We stayed there for two years, and I got a phone call from a friend in Mexico City, Javier Gomez Rubio. He said, I'm going out in the mountains of Mexico. He says, there are no roads. He says, there are going to be mountain men out there, way out. He says, uh, and, and I'm going to preach for three days. And he says, and I think you ought to come with me. And I said, yeah, why not? Sounds like fun. All right. So we end up 
we left Mexico City and went a couple hours out to a village. They went to bed. They woke us up like 2 o'clock in the morning, threw us in the back of a CJ5 Jeep. We went two hours down a paved road. Then we went um, yeah, three, maybe even four hours down a dirt road. Now, a dirt road in Mexico is any place that a bulldozer ever went and made it back. That is the definition of a dirt road. Right? But when we get to the end of the road, there's these mountain men. Right? These guys have come from a village 12 hours away. You either walk or take a mule. Well, we had brought a movie projector, a power generator, some gasoline, some lights to string up. And so they threw some of that stuff on the mules, and then they threw Javier on one, they threw me on one. Right? And uh, we began the 12 hours on the mules, right? up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, up the mountain, down the mountain. Unfortunately, this may not be important, but this is the part I remember. <laughs> I got a pygmy mule. This mule had the shortest legs. <laughs> and so literally... I am riding this mule for 12 hours like this. <laughs> Up the mountain, down the mountain. All right. And, and, and there would be spots where there was an indentation in the trail, and I would literally like walk. <laughs> I'd get up and I'd walk. All right. But I don't know if you've ever been on a beast like that for 12 hours like this. I mean, it hurts so bad. I, I consider myself to be, you know, not macho, but a, 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 a man. And I mean, I'm like, I'm about ready to cry. We finally get back to this village. It's called Buena Vista, good view. Up on top of a mountain, and you could see for miles. Right? And we get there, it's a hundred and some degrees. Humid as all get out. The place, I mean, the, the, they weren't even mud huts. They were just sticks, dirt floors, thatched roof, no electricity, no running water. And I'm about to find out, no bathroom. Because my first question was, Doni Salvaño, where's the bathroom? And the guy said, Al Monte. <laughs> you all speak Spanish. You got it. He said, The mountain. Well, I took off for the mountain. Right? Take care of business, and I'm getting down taking care of business. And there is a pig, and I, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when he, I say he weighed 500 pounds. And he would not wait for me to finish my business. He charged. Fortunately, there's a big rock, and I'm whacked at him, and he takes off. And How many ever heard of culture shock? <laughs> I have got it. All right, on steroids. I am freaking out. All right? And I go, and I find Javier. And I literally grabbed him by his shirt, and I said, Javier, why did you bring me here? And I remember exactly what I said to him. I said, this is not my ministry. I said, I belong in cities right, with bathrooms, with electricity, with running water. I said, and this is not my ministry, and we need to leave now. And he said, we can't. And I said, well, why? He says, number one, he said, we do not know the way. Number two, we don't have mules. And number three, we said we would be here for three days and we are keeping our word. Wow. Make story short. They take us to church and we would have church from about six to midnight. We'd start church in the morning at nine, have church until about noon, have a couple hour break, and then do church. And we wouldn't get done until midnight again. Right? 
And we're there for three days. When we're not in church, they've got us going from hut to hut praying for people. And I remember when the three days were over, I climbed up on a mule, a normal mule. All right? And I'm crying. And it's not because I'm glad that we're leaving. It's because God has put in my heart to leave the city of three and a half million people with electricity and running water and bathrooms and move to a village so we can minister to those people. When I got back to Mexico City, I approached Jeannie on the subject, and she said, oh, God already spoke to me. And 30 days later, we were living in a village. Now, there was nothing in the natural that would make me want to do that. All right? But God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want the things that please him and to work for them. There is every Christian... Every Christian, God puts desires down on the inside of us. He's working in you, inspiring you to want the things that please Him. And so often, well, we just think, that's just me. That's just me. But it's not. It's God who's putting that desire on the inside of you. I remember years ago, a young man, he'd been saved for maybe six months. He came up and he says, he says I, just, I, I, I just want to go to the hospital and pray for people, but I just don't think that's God. And I said, well, how many sick people did you want to pray for before you got saved? He said, oh, I'm afraid of germs. I said, that's not you. That's God putting that desire on the inside of you. Right? Uh, about three years ago, I get a phone call. And they said, uh, hey, we're going to go in, over to Sparta, Wisconsin, and we're going to meet with Matt McPherson. In fact, they said we're taking a private jet out of Sparta, Michigan, flying to Sparta, Wisconsin. They're going to pick us up, and we're going to get to spend the day with Matt McPherson. Now, to some of you, they may not mean anything, but Matt McPherson is the guy that designed and owns Matthew Bowes. Anybody here a bow guy? A Matthews bow guy? Lift your hand, all you Matthews people. Come on! That's the will of God right there. <laughs> All right, and also uh, McPherson guitars. He owns McPherson guitars. He designs those. All right, and so we end up. We fly over there. They pick us up, take us to uh, kind of like their conference room, and Matt's there, and they've got coffee and Wisconsin curds, and we're sitting there. And one of the first questions that uh, one of our group asked was, uh, "How is it that you ended up with the largest bow company in the world?" And he says, well, I was in my factory, and we weren't doing well. And I was talking to the Lord, and, and I said, God, I just need some help because I need to know what to do. Do I keep going? Do I close? And he said, God spoke to his heart and said, I've got the answer for every problem that any person has. And if they'd asked me, he said, I'd show them what to do. And Matt said, well, I'm asking. I need to know. What do I do? What do I do? He says, like 10 days later, he wakes up in the morning, and he's going to get out of bed. His wife's already up. He's going to get out of bed. And he said, it's like a sheet came down from the ceiling. He said, and I saw on that sheet a bow different than anything I'd ever seen with parallel limbs. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, get me paper. Get me paper. Get me a pencil. And she said, well, what's happening? He said, I'm not sure, but I think I'm having a vision. He copied what he saw, wrote it down, and began to design bows in that direction. 
And of course, the result was it became the largest bow company in the world. And what was then unheard of is now industry standard. Right? Now, we tend to think that God is just concerned about our spiritual life and spiritual things. Right? But I want you to listen to Exodus 31. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Belzeel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic work, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting of jewels and setting and carving of wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. This is the first time anybody in the Bible is filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit to work. Everybody say work. You know, we tend to think there's this dichotomy. There's the spiritual life, and then there's my work life or my natural life. Or, but but there, there's not. All right? And God's economy is just one life. And, and the God will anoint us when it comes to our work, whatever that happens to be. All right? uh, it's in Romans 8. I may spend the rest of my time here. I just, all right? Romans 8 and verse 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Right? Now, the Holy Spirit simply bears witness. There's just this knowing. You just know on the inside. It's not because of something you studied. It's not because of something somebody told you. But the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. The first thing that when we get saved, he bears witness that we're Christians. Right? But the Bible says in Colossians, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, what happens when we first get saved keeps on happening. Right? So his bearing witness is not a one-time thing. It's something that happens again and again and again. Now, I remember as a young Christian, I'm only saved three months. And I'm reading my Bible and, and just spending time with the Lord, and I get an impression. See, when I was 10 years old, my mother's dead, so I can tell you this story. Right? I went to downtown Granville. Right? I rode my bike. And there used to be a prose five and dime. Anybody remember that story? Prose five and dime store. All right? Now we have dollar stores. That's inflation. Right? <laughs> And with Biden inflation, soon we may have $10 stores. Right? But it was a five and 10 cent store. Right? And I went in pros five and dime, and I stole a matchbox car, a little knife, about that big, a little pocket knife, and three darts. Never got caught, never told anybody. 10 years old. Now I'm 20, and I've just gotten saved. And I'm spending time with the Lord, and I get this impression. Like, you stole that stuff. Go pay for it. And I thought, no way. <laughs> I mean, I was 10. That was before I was a Christian. No way, Jose. You know? But over the next week or 10 days, that impression, that witness, just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. So finally, I thought, like, maybe this is God. But I don't think so. I hope not. So I remember I drove my car, parked right behind, pros five and dime. And I prayed. This is when I learned that God doesn't answer all your prayers. 
And I said, oh, God, do not let Mr. Prose be here. I go inside, and there was a cash register right in the back, lady standing there. And I said, is Mr. Prose here? And she says, oh, yeah, he's right up that aisle. <laughs> so I go up there, and I didn't tell him my name. Okay, but I just said, uh, Mr. Prose, I says, when I was 10 years old, I said, I came in your store, and I stole a little knife, a matchbox car, and three darts. And, and I'm sorry, and uh, I'm here to pay for them. And I said, I, th I thought they were probably worth 20 bucks, so here's 40 with inflation. And I tried to give him the money, and he just stood back, and he, he literally, he crossed his arms. He looked at me, and he said, young man, did you just become a Christian? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. He said, you're not the first young person who's come in here to pay me for stuff they stole. <laughs> and he talked to me for, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe more, uh, about the Christian life, and then I tried to give him the money again. He said, oh, just give that to the church where... You're tending. And I said, great. And choo, I was gone. It's a couple months later, and uh, I'm real confused. Uh, a friend of mine has talked to me about going to a Bible college in, in Texas. And I'm attending Calvin College. And my parents said, well, if, if you think you want to study the Bible, you should finish where you're at and then go to Calvin Seminary. But my friend's saying, hey, let's just go to this Bible college. And we're going to study the Bible. And I thought, no more trigonometry, no more sociology. Oh, my goodness, Bible college. Yes, that's what I want. So I really want to go to Bible college, but the Bible says honor your parents. And so I'm, I'm just confused. I, have no, I don't know what to do. I have this desire to go to the Bible college, but the honor my parents, my parents want me to stay. And I was just confused. Is there anybody who's ever been confused? I, I just said, I didn't know what to do. I remember I, I get in my bedroom, I got my Bible on my bed, I'm on my knees, and I just said, God, I am so mixed up. I am so confused. I want to do the right thing, and I don't know what the right thing is. My parents want me to stay, but yet I just really want to study the Bible. And if you will show me what to do, whatever it is, I'll do it. And as clearly as you hear me speaking right now, I heard a voice, and it said, get up and go to Dallas. That's what the Bible college was. So I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. It freaked me out to the degree I went and checked all the rooms in the house to make sure there was nobody around. And I'm like, God's in my house. Right? But ended up going to, going to Dallas. Well, let me just say a word about this. Because somebody says, well, uh, where is that in the Bible? It's all through the Bible. All right? uh, first of all, in the Old Testament, you read this Quite often, it says, and the word of the Lord came unto them, saying. Right? To that person, they're hearing it. Right? Remember Samuel, little Samuel, he's working in the temple with Eli. And he hears a voice, and it says, Samuel, Samuel. He runs over to Eli and said, you called. And he said, no, I didn't call. And he goes and lays down again, and hears another, hears the voice again. It says, Samuel, Samuel. He runs over, says, you called. And he says, no, I didn't call. But he said, if, if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Now, right before that, this is what it says. It says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And Samuel did not know the Lord by the word of the Lord. He did not know the Lord by the word of the Lord. All right? So he lays back down, and he hears a voice again. And it says, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Right? 
It's not something that happens every day or every month, but it can happen. And to the person, it's audible. A few years later, King Saul is going to come to see Samuel. He's not king yet. And the Bible says, God said to Samuel in his ear. Where did he say it? In his, in his ear. Tomorrow about this time, I'll send you a man of the tribe of Benjamin. He told him what was going to happen in his, in his ear. To him, it's audible. Now, Samuel hears, but Eli, he's not far away. He doesn't hear. Right? So I heard this voice. Ended up going to Dallas. I was there for a few months, and, and I said to the Lord, I said, hey, God, that was cool. I'd like to do that again. Right? And this was just an impression that I had. It was like, you listened to me when I told you about Mr. Provost. So you were able to hear me when I spoke to you about Dallas. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is preaching, and a voice comes from heaven. And the people say, it thundered. And some people said, no, 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 an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, the voice was not for me, it was for you. But because of the hardness of people's hearts, they could not hear that voice or distinguish that voice. Here's what I want you to understand. The more we obey the Spirit of God, the easier and the clearer it becomes to hear the voice of God. Right? But every time that we disobey the voice of God, the exact opposite happens. Now, in Colossians 3 and 15, it says in the Amplified, it says, let the peace of God, right, the peace of God rule in your hearts. The translations say, let the peace of God be the umpire. Right? So when we have peace about something, peace is our umpire, God's peace. The devil can counterfeit a lot of things, but he can never counterfeit God's peace. Right? So that peace, when we have peace, we're safe. Right? When we don't have peace, we're not safe. So it's 1986, and I get that uh, desire to go to Russia. And you say, why? I don't have a clue. Or at least I didn't have a clue. I just wanted to go to Russia. Uh, talked to some people about it, and uh, man, they were just... Discri- In fact, one person said, you go, God showed me, you're going to die. Well, that's great. So Jeannie and I pray about it, and we still got peace. Right? Don't really know why. I just got this, got to go to Russia. So, so we end up, back then there were no direct flights in. And uh, so we went to Helsinki, took a boat across, spent a little time in Estonia, ended up uh, in, in uh, Yolgava, in Latvia. And uh, we check in the hotel. We don't know anybody. So I said to the guy, I said, let's go down the street. And uh, we walked down to the street. And in three minutes, somebody walked up to us and said, are you Americans? And we said, yes, we are. And this guy said, well, my boss over there wants to buy you dinner. So we go with this guy, and he buys us dinner. And he tells us a story. He said, I'm a Russian businessman. He said, I also pastor a little church. He said, my dad was a pastor of a Pentecostal church. He was 20 years in Siberia in a gulag. Everything's true, he's telling us. He says, and tomorrow, I want you to come to my city. Right? And we're going to have dinner in my city. Well, little did we know at the time... We found out the next day, his city is a closed city. No foreigners been there since 1945. It's military, and they have nuclear weapons there. And we're not supposed to be there. And we're in a restaurant with this guy. And this guy is big and boisterous, and he's yelling, and we're talking through an interpreter. Almost everybody in there is in a military 
uniform, and we're thinking we're going to jail, and we're just trying to be quiet, you know. So he says to us, he says, uh, you know, you should preach in my city. And we thought, oh, yeah, that would be great. We said, yeah, that's a wonderful idea. And he says, well, let's do it. We walk across the street, and he rented the Civic Auditorium. It's Tuesday. He rents it for Thursday night. Goes down the street and puts out an ad that says, two world-famous evangelists. That's me and my buddy. We'll preach in the Hall of Culture and talk about God on Thursday night. And we think, we're going to jail. Right? We're going to jail. Long story short, we get there. I speak. starting now. There's over a thousand people. There's a standing room only. Every single person in that place gets saved. Every single one gets saved. And uh, afterwards I said, man, I said, what a revival there's going to be here in Russia. They know socialism doesn't work. They know that. And there's this vacuum. And right now they're looking. And when we come with Christianity, they're receiving it. I said, in a matter of a few years, something else is going to come in. So he says, well, we can start a Bible school here. There hasn't been a new Bible school in Russia since 1917. He says, we can do it. And I said, are you serious? So I'm on the board of a missions organization in, in Florida, largest sending organization in the world. And the next week, I put the president of the organization on an airplane, sent him to Latvia. Long story short, in six months, we started a Bible school. Leon, right over here, moved to Russia, was in that Bible school and taught. And uh, over a period of years, over 1,000 churches were started out of that Bible school. A thousand churches. You know what it came how it all started? It all started with a desire. Just a desire. Right? When, when, when obstacles were there, we prayed and we still had peace and we kept moving in that direction. So it's a couple years later. Rick Renner's preaching for us. Now, some of you don't know Rick, but Rick's a really well-known evangelist at the time. Bible teacher. And uh, I said, Rick, I want you to come to Russia with us. And Rick says, oh, my gosh. He said, I would never go overseas. He said, I hate missionaries, and I hate missions. He said, I'm just called to America. I'm called to America. And he says, I've got two cousins that are missionaries, and they're always asking for money. He says, and it's terrible, and I'm ashamed of them. And I said, I'm ashamed of you. Here you are preaching in churches all over America, and you won't go to a third world country. And literally for 10 minutes in between services, I'm just like... And finally he's, okay, I'll go. Okay. So uh, a few months later, we've taken Rick over to Russia. Right? Now, he hates, he, he's determined, he's going to hate it. All right? We're there three days. Listen, three days. He comes to me and he says, uh, he's teaching in the Bible school with, with Leon. And uh, he says, uh, do you think it'd be possible for me to cancel all my meetings in America and move to Russia? You were there. You were there. Okay. And I said, uh, yeah, I think that'd be, it'd be great. He said, I, I moved my whole family here for six months. I said, that's a great idea. He says, I love teaching in the Bible school. Okay? So they've been there, by the way, right now, just over 30 years. Okay? So they move. And he moves to teach in the Bible college. Right? He's there six weeks, or is it two months? And he gets an opportunity to go on television in Russia. Now, there hasn't been Christian television ever in Russia. Ever, ever, ever. So in the first two years... He goes on television. He has 2.3 million people make first-time decisions for Jesus and get involved in a 10-week 
Bible school, Bible study course online. Now, I said that to say this. You may think you know what you're going to do, but it isn't necessarily what you're going to do. <laughs> All right? Because being led by the Spirit, listen, is like being on a bicycle. Right? If, if you get the bike moving, you can steer it. But if it's standing still, you're just going to fall over. And there's a lot of Christians that are waiting for something to happen, and then they think, I'm going to do something. Right? They assume they have a red light, and they're waiting for God. But here's what I want you to do, and this is the biblical thing to do. Assume you have a green light. Find something to do and start doing it. And if you're not where you need to be, God will move you where you need to be. Rick thought, I'm going to teach in a Bible school. But God's plan was television. He ended up starting the largest church in Latvia, in the whole country. Right? He thought one thing, but God had another thing in mind. So often, we so underestimate what God wants to do with us, and, the, and, and literally what God wants to do with us. So I want to encourage you. Assume you've got a green light. Find something to do. And if it's not the right thing, God will steer you around and get you exactly where you need to be. Say, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? I, I was reading uh, a couple months ago in the, the book of Psalms. Psalm 56. The author said, this I know because God is for me. This I know because God is for me. See, so many people believe this. They believe God is mad, that God has rejected them, that God has abandoned them, that they've gone too far, that they've done too much, that it is too late. But I want to tell you what I know. This I know, that God loves you. This I know, it is not too late. This I know, that God is reaching out to you today. You see, Jesus said, it's the thief, it's the devil who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. You know, when Peter preached the first sermon, this is what he said. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. You see, what, what God wants to do is he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. He wants to come into your heart and into your life and make you new from the inside. He doesn't just want to get you to heaven. He wants to save you today. And there are people here today, and you know this, you're in, in your heart you know, I need God to rescue me. I need Him to come into my life and to save me from the place that I am. The Old Testament prophet wrote this, and he said, God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future, and to give you a hope. Those are God's thoughts. His thoughts are for good and not evil. His thoughts are to give you peace, to give you a future, and to give you hope. I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, if you can, take hands of somebody that's next to you. And if you're away from God today, I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. You don't know where you stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. The Bible says whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. So I want you, everybody, 
to repeat this out loud, make these words your own, say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus, you're my king. I'm going to live for you. I thank you my past is gone, and I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.